So uh, today we're talking about um, how to be a world changer and knowing who your father is and knowing what your father thinks about you. And I'm a firm believer that our identity in Christ is the full on foundation for everything we do in ministry. And I've met a lot of people that are involved in great ministries, but their identity is more tied in the ministry than who the ministry really is about. And if you were to take them away from that ministry setting, they really wouldn't know who they are anymore. And so we're talking about if you want to be a, a world changer for the cause of Christ, we really have to ground who we are in Christ before we can minister for and with Christ. Amen. So here we go. I'm going to, in this microphone, we're going to give our official introduction. Uh, those of you who are listening on the audio system, this is World Changer with Pastor Benjamin Lundquist. 101, knowing who your father is and what he thinks about you. Let's bow our heads. We'll have a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right in. Dear God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that we are sitting in the room with world changers. And at this conference, as I looked out over the vast uh, young adult and adult audience, Lord, these are your sons and your daughters that are, that are called to change the world for you, to make your name famous. And we just pray, God, that as we spend the next 50 minutes together, may we understand the identity that we have in you on a deeper level. So even if we were to pull away from your work, we could still know who our Father is and what our Father thinks about us. Bless us, in your name we pray, amen. Okay, uh, we're gonna jump right in real quick. Uh, there was a big study that, that just, just came out uh, within the last year, and if you've, if you've been on social media, there are tons of studies, articles all over the place from why do young adults leave the church? Have you seen any studies like that? They're coming out all the time. So much so that I'm kinda tired of hearing articles about why young adults are leaving the church. Uh, one reason is not all young adults are leaving the church, amen? And there are young adults that are fully involved in the work of Christ. But this was a study that came out that surveyed 12,000 millennials in 27 countries. And the young adult generation of today is known as the millennial generation. And what they found from this big study was that um, these, this generation is far from jaded. Uh, they're far from disconnected uh, about, about, you know, the 18 to 30 year olds. But in reality, this generation has a very bright outlook on actually being able to change the future and make the future a better place. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that with your life, you can leave the world better than you found it? Do you, do you believe that? Um, and so that's what we're talking about today is how do we do that? I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, that's me that I have no hair. You can probably see that in the photo, but this is my wife, Kim. She's a nurse in Phoenix and I've got a little boy named Koa and my daughter, her name is Remy and got to talk to them on, a on the phone a few minutes ago. So I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. This is my family. Uh, my full-time ministry job is the young adult director for Arizona conference. And then I also am one of the young adult coordinators for the North American division and the Pacific Union. And so if you've ever been in a place in your life where you wondered kind of where God was leading, all of a sudden he opened up three pretty sizable um, platforms for young adult ministry in the same week. And I realized that was probably where he was leading my ministry was in that area of young adult ministry. And so as we jump in, uh, I want to share a story with you. I recently got asked to go speak on the East Coast. And so I, I had uh, packed my bags, was leaving Phoenix at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And as I packed my bags, I had my computer, I had all my, my clothing with me. And I arrived at Sky Harbor Airport to depart on my flight um, out to uh, 
North Carolina. And as I uh, got ready to get out of the car, I said goodbye to my wife. I had the kids in the back seat and I began to take my luggage bag that I had my clothes and I took it out of the car. I set it kind of on the side curb there and I went in and I began to look for my computer bag. I actually had the same bag right here and I was looking for my computer bag and it was nowhere in the car. I couldn't find it anywhere. Inside the computer bag was my wallet. It was my identification, all my credit cards, all my means for travel, you know, around the United States. States. And so like a good man, I turned uh, kind of like uh, Adam did way back in the day. I turned to my wife as if to accuse her for leaving my computer bag at the house. And I and I kind of asked her, I said, Kim, do you know where my computer bag is? And she said, whose computer bag is it? I said, it's mine. She said, exactly. Don't you think you should know where your computer bag is? And so here was my dilemma. I had places to go and things to do, but I had no identification. And that was the reality. And so like a like a, a very resourceful man that I was, I went inside to the Southwest Airlines ticket counter and I began to beg and plead, is there any way that I can get on this flight? And of course the answer was absolutely not. In the day and age that we live in, without identification, there are certain places you will never go in this life and there are things that you will never do unless you have your ID. Amen. We kind of know what we're talking about. And so I begged and pleaded enough and the gentleman said, let me, let me hook you up with a ticket that leaves an hour and a half later, you can get on a later flight. And so I made the arrangements, had the ticket in my hand, went all the way back home, got my computer bag. I had left it there in the kitchen and I brought it back to the airport, said goodbye to my family and kids again. And then I went with my ticket to TSA through security, pulled out the ID. And all of a sudden it was this, this uh, invitation to get onto the plane. Let me repeat that comment. Without proper identification. There are certain places in this life you will never go. And there are things in this life that you and I will never do unless we have the proper identification. Amen. I'm here to tell you, I think uh, th this afternoon that our identity in Christ has to be deeper than our identity to minister for Christ. Amen that we have to know apart from ministry, apart from call portering, apart from being involved in an amazing summer rush program, we have to know who we are in Christ if we are going to be a world changer for Christ. Amen. Okay. If you got your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's go to the book of Matthew and I'm going to go ahead and put the notes up on the screen. They're a little bit small, but you can uh, either scoot closer or you can come photograph them a little bit later. But let's go to the book of Matthew and I want to take a look at the at the beginning of the, of the ministry of Jesus, because I think a lot of us right now, how many of you are involved in some kind of a summer program this summer? call Porter and different things. Um, a lot of us are in a ministry transitional period right now. The summer ministry season, season has kind of ended and a lot of us are thinking about going back to school, going back to jobs. A lot of us like uh, Michael who just graduated are praying about what is God's next step in this journey. And so I want to take a look at the, the beginning of the ministry of Christ as we begin to look at this idea of identity. And so let's go to Matthew chapter three. And when you've got Matthew chapter 3. Go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. And when you've got that, go ahead and say amen so we know you got it. Okay. And so this is the, this is the, uh, the account of the baptism of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If you could have been 
live present at different moments throughout biblical history. How many of you would like to have been present at the baptism of Jesus? I mean, to be there present as Jesus is baptized. And so what's happening here? Jesus is transitioning into a public ministry. Many of us are transitioning into different stages in life and ministries as we speak. So let me go ahead and read this for you. Here's what it says. Then Jesus came, came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized, and I'm reading out of the New King James. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and you are coming to me? Question. Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. In verse 16, when Jesus had been baptized, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the water, and we're going to see people do that tonight at five. Can we say amen to that? He came up out of the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. I just wish I could have been there. I really wish that I could have been there. And the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning upon him. And then pay attention to how this scene ends in verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is, help me out, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so, and so paint the picture. The ministry of Jesus is about to go to world changer status. Amen. No greater leader has ever walked the face of this earth than Jesus, period. No leader has ever had more influence, more, no leader has ever stirred things up in a, in a greater, more positive way than the life of Jesus. And so in this moment, it was extremely important that the father was able to affirm the son of his identity as he was about to launch into public ministry. So here's what it says. The words came from heaven. This is my beloved what? Son, in whom I am well pleased. Pay attention to some very important uh, details of that statement. Jesus had not begun his public ministry yet. Amen? He hadn't launched into it yet. So what does that mean? It means the Father saw value in Jesus because Jesus was his Son. Not because of the great ministry that he had done, not because of the, the preaching in the synagogues and the Bible studies and the miracles and the water into wine. Jesus had value because of his relationship to the Father. Amen. And the Father told him, I am well pleased because you belong to me. Amen. If we are going to launch into world-changing ministry for the cause of Christ, our identity has got to be grounded in Christ. Amen? Now, let, let me show you from Scripture why this is such a big deal. Here we go. Let's go to verse, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 4, just jumping down a couple verses, and here's what it says. And pay very close attention to what just happened and what is about to happen. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for how many days? Forty days and forty nights afterward he was hungry and now the tempter came. Let me ask you a question. Does Satan always come when we're at moments of weakness? 
whether it's emotional exhaustion, whether it's you just came off the high of an amazing ministry summer and you're kind of on that, now what am I doing? But he came in moments of weakness to Jesus. And here's what it says. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Are you with me on this thing about identity? What's happening here? Jesus launching into world changer public ministry was affirmed at his baptism. You are my son, my beloved son. You are my son that I love and I call you my son and I'm proud of you because you are mine. So the question would be, what is the target of temptation going to be from Satan at the start of the ministry of Jesus? It's his what? It's his identity. And all of a sudden what happened at the baptism where Jesus, where, where, where the father says to the son, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All of a sudden, just a few verses later, here comes Satan in a moment of weakness. If you are the son of God, come on, Jesus, really? Are you really, are you really called to ministry? Are you really connected and are you part of my family? Are you really gifted? Do you really have a plan for your life? You know, you know, you know what's happening here? Have you been there? Where we were in a moment, the identity that was so concrete a week ago, through the, the moments and happenings of life, all of a sudden, now we wonder, am I really a daughter of God? Did he really call me to go door to door? Does he really have a plan for my life? Have you been there? I've been in ministry 12 years full time. I still deal with that. I still deal with that. Know this, that if you are going to be a world changing leader for the cause of Christ, your identity will be targeted. It's guaranteed. Your identity will be targeted because if we don't know who we are in Christ, we cannot live a life of ministry for Christ. Let me ask you a question. How would the life of Jesus have played out differently if he didn't know who he was as God's son? Would he have been able to die for the human race if he didn't know who he was? This identity is huge. It's huge in my life. It's huge in your life. If we are going to change the world for Jesus, we have to know who we are in Jesus. Amen. And it's got to be before ministry. It's got to be before anything else. As far as efforts we do for the cause of Christ, we have to know who we are. Amen. And so you see what happened. All of a sudden, this is my son. Here comes the temptation. And, and he was targeted by Satan. And here's the amazing thing. Every time that Satan tempted Jesus to question his identity, Jesus went back to what? He went back to the word of God. And his response was, it is written. Here's the question. Is your identity in moments of weakness, is it grounded in scripture? Is your identity grounded in this book when you have those moments where, where the devil comes alongside in your weakness and says, come on, you're not really that effective. All summer, all those hours, you, you, you didn't really make a difference. 
Are you sure about this and this and this? Do we have an answer from Scripture when the temptation comes where we doubt, are we a son of God? Are we a daughter of God? And I want to say, this is the ammunition that we have in the moment that grounds us in that identity of being in Christ. And so it says this, all of a sudden in the book of Matthew, it says, Jesus begins his ministry, which I love in chapter four, verse 15. And it says this, in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Nephtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great, what? Light. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has come. Amen. Jesus's ministry was to call people that were dead back to life. Can we say amen to that? And, and it was to call people who had a, had a life of darkness to move into a light that was Jesus. Amen? The reality of Jesus. So all of a sudden, his identity is concrete. His identity is targeted. Jesus answered the, the, the identity temptations with Scripture, and he launches into a world-changing public ministry to call people out of darkness into light. Can we say amen? We serve Jesus who brings people back from the dead. Amen? If like me, you want to be a world changer for the cause of Christ, we have to know who we are in Christ. Amen? Our identity can't be wrapped up in doing ministry, in the relationships that we have, the things that we own, like the preacher talked about this morning, what people say about us. Because let's be real, you may have things one day and the next day, what may happen? All your things may be gone. I spent the summer in Prescott, Arizona, where we lost 19 firefighters that died in one fire the most tragic loss of firefighters in, in U.S. history happened this summer in Prescott, Arizona. The fire that took these 19 gentlemen, that fire took out half of a town in two days. If our identity is in what we have, it may be here today, but there's no guarantee it's going to be there tomorrow. If our identity rests in what people say about us, if people are saying great things, then our identity feels solid. But how many of you recognize people are going to say a lot of things about us? They're going to say a lot of things about us. I don't put a lot of stock in what people say about me. I put a lot of stock in what Jesus says about me. And if we put our, if we, if we put our stock in, in the things that we can accomplish, we may have days that we accomplish a lot. Did you have days that, like that this summer in your different programs where you sold a lot of material and you ended that day feeling great, but did you also have days where you sold almost nothing? Do you still have to know who you are in Christ on the days that you sell a million dollars? If that happened, that would be a great thing. The days you, you sell a million dollars or the days you sell zero dollars, do you still have to know who you are in Jesus? Identity has to be deeper than what we do because it's based on who we know. Amen. So here we go. What, what I'm going to try to do today is, uh, oh, I got my thing. 
Um, let's go to the book of First Peter, and I'm going to try to just walk us through uh, a biblical explanation and understanding of who we are as men and women of God, which I think is going to be really cool. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And when you've got 1 Peter chapter 2, go ahead and say amen. And again, don't stress because everything's up on the board. You can take a photo of it with your iPhone later and you'll have all the notes. And so again, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And can somebody read that for me that's got a good speaking voice? Michael, could you read that for us? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Okay, I just, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just lay a biblical foundation for who we are as a people in Christ, as a foundation for you to launch into a ministry for and with Christ. Amen? Because it's important that in those moments where we doubt who we are, that we can go back to God's Word and say, you know what? This is how I may be feeling, but this is what Scripture says about who I am. And so let's go through this real quick. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you are a chosen generation. Um, how many of you remember back in the day when you used to pick teams uh, at recess when you're in elementary school anybody have experiences like that and they usually played out something like this okay we need two captains okay uh, John and and uh, Paul okay you guys are captains and the captains are always the best what they're always the best athletes, you know? And so all of a sudden you kind of feel not quite as good because you weren't, you know, John or Paul or anybody else. And so they choose the, these gentlemen or these ladies and they say, okay, I got a number behind my back. Go ahead and pick the number five. Okay, you go first. And one at a time you begin to be invited, you hope to be on somebody's team. You kind of know what I'm talking about. And you're like, Woo! Hope somebody picks me. Okay, ready? Oh, I want you on my team. And you're like, yes. You know, you're like high-fiving, chest bumping, doing all that kind of stuff. You're on the team. And all of a sudden you recognize there's only three people left. And one of them is still you. And so all of a sudden they're like, okay, we want you. And that person comes over like, man I hate sitting out you know during recess and all of a sudden it's only two and if, if, if you were like me you were one of the two They're like okay and we want you and all of a sudden you're the only one left you know at, at the at the recess scenario you're the only one left and then somebody says do we have to oh man they're always getting hurt all the time so slow can't jump worth anything. Really? Fine, come with us. And the person's like, I don't even want to come, but I don't want to stand there by myself either. And so they come over. So, so here, here's the question. How good does it feel to be chosen? You know what I'm talking about? To have somebody say, I want you. And this is no hesitation. It's not a, because there's nobody left, I'm going to bring you on my team. No, I want you. I want you. What does scripture say? It says that, uh, it says, but you are a chosen generation. Can we say amen? amen? 
And when you are chosen to be on somebody's team, it means that you are accepted with everything that comes with you. Maybe you're a baseball player and you can hit home runs, but you can't catch. But when you become part of a team, everything that is you now becomes part of that team. Can we say amen that Jesus invites and accepts everything that is you to be part of his team? Can we say amen? So when you look at this, what, 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 how, how does this play? It says that you are in Christ completely what? Accepted. Accepted. Can we say amen? And when the devil knocks at your door and he says, you know what? You're not effective in ministry anymore. You can't even reach your friends that are walking away from Jesus. And when the devil comes knocking at your door and you begin to look at your life thinking, man, I wish I could just focus on the good, but there's kind of the bad and I've got a hard time dealing with this. Remember, friends, that in Christ we are completely accepted. Can we say amen? amen? With everything that comes in us, we're completely accepted. So let's move on. And here's what it says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that word holy mean? To be set apart for a specific purpose. Um, I was married in 2005 to one wife. I still am with the same one wife. Um, when we got married, I didn't wear white to the wedding. Why does a bride wear white? Purity? Is it so the bride can stand out from the rest? How many of you are married? Let's be honest. Who's the center of a wedding day? It's the bride. Because the bride has been what? Set apart from the, wet, from the rest. She dresses differently. She has a different way of carrying herself. She has somebody often that escorts her down the aisle in a different way because she has been set apart because in the eyes of that groom on that day and hopefully for a lifetime, there is no more valuable of a woman than that bride. Can we say amen? And on that day, she is set apart because she is valuable. Can we say amen? God says this generation, he says, you and I have been set apart as holy. When you are set apart, it lets us know that no matter how you look at yourself every day in the mirror, when you are in Christ, you are priceless. Can we say amen? amen. That you have value on your life. And so in Jesus, we are completely accepted and we are extremely valuable. We're trying to lay the, lay the foundation for your identity so you can launch a ministry to be a world changer. We can guarantee your identity will be targeted by Satan. It is a guarantee. It happened with Jesus moments after his baptism. And it's going to happen in our life too. Because if we lose who we are, we can never accomplish what God is calling us to accomplish for his honor and his glory. Amen. So what, what have we read so far? Jesus says today, he says, you are completely accepted and you are what? Extremely valuable. And here, here's what it says as we continue. It says, 
You are a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. How many of you that have been on both sides of the fence appreciate living in the marvelous light of Jesus? Into a marvelous light. And here's what it says. Who once were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know somebody who has been adopted? Anybody been, been, been adopted here in this room? Um, to be adopted, to have somebody want you to be part of their family. I've got a beautiful wife. She came from a very difficult upbringing. When she was six years old, they had a court date and it was a time for her mom and dad to fight for custody of my wife, Kim, when she was six years old. She got dressed up as the most beautiful six-year-old that she could. Beautiful. I didn't, I didn't see photos, but I imagine. Beautiful. <laughs> She had the dress on, and she tells me, the dress on, older sister, they showed up there at the courtroom, judge, dad, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And in a custody battle, mom never showed up, ever. Never showed up. How does it feel to not be wanted, to not have a family. There are moments in this life where the devil will try to get you to think you ain't got nobody in this life, that you are all alone. You are doing ministry alone. You are, you are, you are doing Bible studies alone. You're doing this life alone. And here's what Jesus said. He said, there was a time when you were not my people, but now you are my people. Can we say amen? So here's the, here's the amazing thing is that, is that when you accept Jesus into your life and you decide to live in, in him, you are part of his family. End of story. And this is not a, I want weekend rights. I'm willing to take you uh, Thanksgiving, but I got to give you up at Christmas. Jesus wants the rights to your entire life. Can we say amen? When you are in Christ, you are part of the family of Christ. End of story. There's nobody that's got rights to you anywhere else when you are in Christ. And so we learn from our identity that we are what? We are eternally loved because here's the reality. With Jesus, the family never ends. Amen? Amen. It never ends. It's not a summer with dad as a kid that's got a split custody situation where the summer ends and now you've got to go back someplace else. When you are in Christ... It is a family that never ends. Amen. And what that tells me is that we are not just loved for today, but we are eternally loved forever by Jesus. Amen. And in those moments where you are thinking, I want to change the world. I want to have my life count. 
and you've got those moments where you're just not feeling loved this day. Am I the only one who's ever experienced that? Where you're just like, today I just don't feel the love. Recognize in Scripture, which is what I found my life on, this verse says that Jesus eternally loves me. And though I once was not part of his family, I am part of his family today and forever because that family never, ever ends. Amen? We serve an amazing God in Jesus. And so last, last point is this. In, in 2 verse 10, you were once not a people, but now you are a people of God. I just love that reality. And it says this, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What that word mercy means to me is forgiveness. That we had a time in our life when we were not forgiven. Can you remember back, back in that time in your life when you had stuff going on? I don't either. But there was a time when we didn't have mercy, but now we have mercy. Amen? Recently in California, I was uh, pulled over for a driving a trailer too fast. I guess in California, you can only drive a trailer like 55 miles an hour, is what I'm told. And so I pull over on the side of the road. You want to talk about unique ministry opportunities? I pull over on the side of the road, 15 kids in the van. Here I am, the trying to set the good example, uh, young adult pastor. And the policeman comes up to the door, and what I've realized is I try to just begin to ramble. I just begin to talk. I'm a pastor, and I'm, we're here on a trip, you know, doing some ministry and all kinds of different things. And here's what the guy says. He says, this is a ministry trip? And I said, yeah, it's a ministry trip. He said, actually, um, I'm one of the ministry leaders at Rick Warren's church Saddleback here in Southern California. And he says, wouldn't you know it, when they ask me what I'd like to do to serve the church, they let me be in charge of traffic out in the parking lot of this big mega church. And so I said, you're involved in ministry? And he said, yes. And I said, we would love to pray for you on the side of this highway, um, if that would be okay. So we prayed together. And I said, God bless this man's ministry. And I had forgotten about the ticket, whether I was going to get a ticket or not got a ticket. Matter of fact, I think he told me that the ticket was, was he wasn't going to give me a ticket. And then we prayed for him. But I prayed for him. We had this amazing ministry moment on the, the side of I-5, semi-trucks blazing by. We're praying for this guy. He's praying for us. And he says, hey, hope you have a great day. He didn't partially forgive a ticket. He didn't give me a warning. It was a, have a great day. Let's pretend this never, ever happened. When we are in Christ with our identity, it says that once we didn't receive mercy, but in Christ we have received mercy and forgiveness. And what does that mean? It means that we are totally forgiven. It means that for whatever we have done in our past, we are forgiven. What thoughts we may have today, even at iShare, we are forgiven. And anything in our life in the future that we could do that could damage our connection with Christ, we are forgiven. Can we say? Amen. So when the devil, when the devil brings up that junk into your life and begins to try to bring insecurity into your identity, you've got to come back to scripture and recognize I'm totally forgiven. End of story. 
The death of Jesus on the cross was not a partial forgiveness. It was forgiveness. It was mercy lived out. And so when you look at your identity, we know from, from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 that it says this, you're completely, help me out. You're completely, oh, I'm sorry, this font's kind of small. You're, you, got, you got good eyes and you can see that pretty well. Okay. It says we are completely accepted. We are eternally or extremely valuable, eternally loved and totally what? Forgiven. Let this be the foundation of your identity so you can launch into a ministry with Christ, for Christ, and all about Christ. But let your, let your identity not be in the ministry. Let your identity be in Jesus. Can we say amen? amen. So I want to share this with you. Moving forward, uh, how are we doing on time? Anybody have a... 311. Oh, we got to move pretty quick. Okay. So as you're moving forward, how many of you would say at this moment in your life, you are at a transitional period? Maybe you just finished up something. You're thinking about where you're going. Here's what I would like to just throw out to you as some practical application for this identity. When you are in transition, have a plan for your period of transition. If you came off an amazing summer of ministry, don't just have nothing as far as a plan for this next stage in ministry. And what, I would, what I'd like to counsel you is that in this transitional period, you need a support team of family and friends to be with you. Can we say amen? When you go through transition, don't transition alone. Have people in your life that can support you. That means a support team. It means people that are praying for you in the middle of transition. And it even means having mentors that you can call on a regular basis during that transitional period. Don't transition alone. Amen? When Jesus transitioned from a, a kind of an unpublic ministry to a public ministry, he was in deep connection with people. Deep connection with the Holy Spirit. Deep connection with His Heavenly Father. Don't transition alone, but have a plan. More people make the greatest life mistakes during transitional life periods than in any other time of their life. If you've been full on with Jesus for the last two or three months, don't turn off Jesus. Amen? Next thing is this. Establish a routine that affirms your identity. It says in scripture that Jesus constantly reestablished his identity because he had a routine. He had places that he would go. He had, he had places he would go to pray and to get into God's word. But make sure, especially during transitional periods, that you have a routine in your life that is reaffirming and reestablishing your identity. Number three is this. Ground your identity in this book. Amen? Forget what people say about you. Forget what you own. Forget the great things you can accomplish one day, and maybe you won't be able to accomplish those the next day. Let your identity be grounded in Scripture. Amen? And so when the devil comes to you and says, listen, you're no good. You think you can be a world changer? Well, forget you. Because A, B, C, D. You go back to God's word for where your identity is. Amen? And ground it in God's word. And the last thing is this. Pray about new opportunities to change the world for Christ. 
There are some of you here this afternoon who are wondering, what is my next journey? What is my next step? What's the new door that's going to open up in my life? Pray right now intentionally for that next stage in your journey. But here's the amazing thing. Whatever stage of ministry and life we are in, that identity can be constant. Amen? That just because we're going through different periods doesn't mean our identity in Jesus changes. Amen? If you want to be a world changer for the cause of Christ, ground your identity in Christ. Amen? What I found in my life is that uh, Jesus is the only force in my life that doesn't change. A lot of things change in life. Family, vocation, schools, callings, whatever it is. But Jesus is that foundation that is unchangeable. Amen? Okay, I want to end with a video, but I wanted to just set this video up. Uh, there, are, there are moments in my ministry, and I'll be very open with you. There's moments uh, in my ministry where I don't always know what God is up to. I don't know what he's doing. Anybody ever been in a place like that? Where you're, you're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. So here I was, uh, Prescott, Arizona, leading the youth and young adult camp meeting program for the Arizona Conference. And I found myself in a Walmart parking lot of all places. Anybody ever gone to Walmart to think? I mean, uh, oh, I, I don't go there either. Uh, I'm just kidding. But I was in a Walmart parking lot, and here was the scenario. We had 180 teenagers that were arriving for a camp meeting youth program that, that included an extreme home makeover project in the community. And it was now Wednesday. The teens were arriving on Friday and we had no project. And so you can imagine, this is a scenario where a bus pulls up and 180 teens come out onto one person's piece of property and end up doing a big makeover project in the course of a week. How many of you have seen Extreme Home Makeover on TV? Um, I've watched it a few times and usually what happens is I end up crying, my wife ends up crying, she's holding me like a baby, she's super strong. And, um, and so there I was in the Walmart parking lot thinking, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? We got three days and no project. Sometimes these projects, they're like a year's worth of prep. And the way this one played out, we had nothing. But here's the thing. Regardless of how ministry was going, in that moment, I did not doubt the identity that I had in Jesus. I knew he was going to come through. I didn't know how, we, how he was going to do it or how it was going to play out, but I knew that he was going to come through. Regardless of what life throws at you, know who you are in Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to play the video. This is how this project played out. Three days, no project. Friday, 180 teenagers showing up. To begin a project on Sunday, three days, no project. What I didn't realize is that we were about to come face to face with a former meth addict that had all of a sudden discovered his true identity in Jesus. <laughs> well, just for sake of time, you know. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I want to show a video kind of at the end of each, each segment for two reasons. One is that, that we really, in Christ, have the ability to make a difference in the lives of communities and in the lives of real people. Amen? 
and every one of you uh, is going to be going back from iShare into a community. And I just want to, I just want to challenge you. When you know who you are in Christ, that community will be changed because of you. Amen. And remember, don't step ahead of Jesus and be about your identity in the ministry. Have your identity be grounded in Christ. Amen. And allow him to launch you into a world changing, community changing, life changing effort. Three days in Walmart, I sat there. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where, where the project's going to be, what's going to happen. And little did we know that I would now have had a five-year relationship with a recovered meth addict that got hired by Home Depot and is getting his life back together. Amen? We can make a difference. Follow the model of Christ that says identity first, ministry second. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for these uh, world changers, and we just thank you, God, that our identity, our identity can be solid in you, that no matter what kind of day we're having, what people are saying about us, what we may own or not own, how many gifts we have one day and how many gifts we may seem to lose a little bit uh, later on, we know that you are that unchangeable force in our life. I pray that these world changers can ground and found their identity in Christ so we can change the world with Christ for Christ. Thank you for letting us be here. We pray, God, that as we leave, I share, let us take these transitional periods seriously. Let us put a lot of intentionality into moving into that next stage of life in our journey, always remembering that regardless of the stage, the identity in Christ is that foundational, unchangeable element that we have in you. Thank you, God. Go with these world changers. Bless them. May they leave this world a different place than they found it. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.